podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. This week is the final week in celebrating our month of fathers, Father's Day, being smack dab in the middle of the month. Uh, I took a little deviation last week to talk about something that popped up that was kind of a critical conversation for me. I don't know if you've ever had practice in critical conversations, but um, another thing I learned from my coach is how to have those critical conversations. Sometimes those critical conversations are with yourself (laughs) and mine definitely have been in the last couple of months. So I wanted to just uh, mention a couple things that are going on. First and foremost, um, it is, celebration this week of Helen Keller, based on her birthday being this week. And this is a week every year that we take to um, get involved and take a look at deafblind issues in honor of Helen Keller. So as you all may know or remember, I strongly support Perkins School for the Blind, which has a tremendous deafblind program. My daughter went there, she was not deaf blind, but uh, she was blind, low vision, as well as having uh, several other very, um, very profound disabilities. I've always struggled to find the right words to describe Elizabeth's issues as opposed to Elizabeth as a person, right? So um, deaf blind programs are very unique because they need to deal with the lack of two important senses. Um, And nobody does it better than Perkins. And they do their programming around the world, not just here in Massachusetts, in Watertown. So thank you, Helen Keller, for providing such extraordinary mentorship and for giving us something to aspire to. There's so much more there in the story and there have been books and movies and um, just a lot of renditions of her life and the famous story with her teacher, Annie. So um, moving on from there, there's some action going on here in Massachusetts. It's critical right now that we take a stance for our supported decision-making bill. So if you are listening to me from Massachusetts, please go to the Arc of Mass website and they will have all the information that you need to be able to get in touch with your legislators to get involved in this critical time frame to get this bill passed finally. We really need this supported decision-making bill to pass in Massachusetts, as it has done in over a dozen other states. And lastly, there's a huge push right now, I've mentioned this before, um, to raise the asset amount allowed under SSI rules. And this is a critical time period for that as well. So please let your federal legislators know that this is extremely important to you. And uh, if you need any talking point points, let me know. I'll be happy to send some along. So now to get to our guest of the week. I'm so happy to introduce you to Elliot Callan. So Elliot is co-founder and president of a group 
an organization called A Brighter Day. This organization um, works with teens on depression and suicide prevention. And every day they look at what they can do to create resources for teens and their families about stress and depression and other topics with their goal of stopping teen suicide. They've touched thousands of families with their resources and supports. Um, he's got a lot of information on his website, which you'll find in the show notes. It's a brighterday.info. Uh, certainly feel free to connect with him on Facebook or Instagram or look at his LinkedIn profile. They've got videos on YouTube. And this is such an important topic because suicide is preventable. And unfortunately, we don't always see the signs or we don't always have confidence in our gut to follow up on some of the things that we're seeing. So we talked about depression and stress in teens, what to look for, when to seek help, talked about strategies that parents can use to help their teens manage mental disorders and how to help them build self-confidence and tools for teens and young adults to use to manage stress and depression. So um, we also talked about A Brighter Day and what they're doing. And I couldn't be more proud to have Elliot Callen on this podcast. I am so, so pleased that I get to present this information to you on such an important issue. As always, please get in touch if you have any questions, topics, uh, any comments. I'm so happy to hear from you always. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. Today, we have a very serious topic. We are going to be talking about suicide and suicide prevention, really. Um, my guest, Elliot Callen, is somebody who is unfortunately all too familiar with that. Welcome, Elliot. Thanks for coming on the show. Great to be on it. And thank you. So this is such an important topic, and I haven't done a podcast on this topic, not quite this topic. We've talked, we've kind of danced around it and talked about mental illness and other things. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about what brings you here to be working on this very important issue? Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks, Annette. Really appreciate that. So I am president of a charity called A Brighter Day uh, out here in California, working its way to becoming a national charity. Uh, and what I've done for my full-time career is be a financial advisor and own a large financial advisory company here in California. But seven years ago, my sophomore son at the University of Montana walked up to the highway in the middle of the night, no drugs, no alcohol, and, and jumped in front of an oncoming truck and took his life. Hmm. And that changed everything. And, and we were frantically looking for him because at 6.30 at night, five hours before he took his life, Federal Express delivered a suicide note to our house. <gasps> oh. And we were looking for him all day, but his phone was turned off and no teenager turns off their phone. Yeah. So you had that sinking feeling that something was wrong. Um, and in the first paragraph, it was a six-page note 
And in the first paragraph, he said, which to me was the most important paragraph, mom and dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help. And I never would have taken your help. And so I must have read that note hundreds of times on the way to Montana to claim his body, to bring it back to California for burial. And I knew on the way back, uh, it kind of hit me, and I'm a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, but it hit me that we have to do something. We have to take some action so this doesn't happen to other families. They don't feel yeah. this devastation. And we weren't really feeling even the devastation yet. We were just still numb and in shock. The devastation took a few more days to really set in uh, what was going on. But I knew that at that moment, let's the best way to reach teens and parents is let's start a charity and let's find a way to reach them. And originally we thought we would start it with a sports-based charity providing resources. And it, very quickly we learned that today's teens, not that many of them play sports, but all of them play music or listen to music or involve in music. So we began what in the early days was a music-based charity where we took an old concept of uh, uh, bands playing for battle bands and we said, let's reinvent this and what we'll call a teen band showcases. We'll have teen bands playing for teens. We'll have winners. We'll put college scholarships on the line here. Uh, we'll fundraise for it separately, not with teens and parents. And in the first few years, we had multiple band showcases and handed out about 2,000 backpacks filled with resources. I don't, I don't mean like stress balls. I mean good, solid resources with original content that we were writing because we enjoy writing and about an inch thick of resources. Now yeah. it's, it's about a quarter of an inch thick of resources. We really shrunk them down because nobody went that far reading them. Right. And we wrote them for parents and we wrote them for teens. And we kept doing this over and over. And like I said, we helped thousands of people just in the first two years of the charity. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And we converted that to teen talent showcases via Zoom where teens could do any talent and still tap into our resources, which are all over our website, all over, all over social media, our resources. In the last year, in our teen talent showcases, we had 14,000 views on that. Wow. Um, last year, we had a little bit more than that, more than that, uh, people that downloaded our resources. And last month, 9,000 people looked at our resources. Just last wow. month. Wow. So, teenage suicide is up 60%, according to the CDC. Um, it's the number two cause of death among teens behind accidents. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's catching up very quickly on that. So we're doing in our little way, we're doing something to make a difference where we've helped out potentially thousands of families now with some form of help. Um, maybe we've changed lives. I have letters on my desk, Annette, that say, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for saving my teen's life, my son's life, my daughter's life. Thank you on that. We don't discriminate. We don't care about race, color, sexuality, none of that matters to us. It matters about stress and depression with the goal of stopping teen suicide. It's a very clear mission statement. Um, and we're doing that every day. That's really amazing. And this is a tough subject. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. It's so sad. People turn away from sad. I, I know from personal experience having, you know, lost my own daughter at 17 um, to her disease process that, you know, people don't want to think about children or young adults 
passing away. It's doesn't even matter what the circumstances are, but nobody wants to think about that. Um, I'm really interested to find out what you've learned since you started this program five years, it's been five or six years, right? Six years. Six years. What, what have you learned? Um, You, you started out with just this idea and a mission, but then, you know, you are flourishing into this really like powerhouse organization. So I'd love to know, you know, what things you've been picking up along the way? Well, that's a great question. And first of all, let me say, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank um, you. Same back to you. Yeah. And it, you know, I tell people it's never a contest. A loss oh. is a loss is a loss. So it doesn't matter why. Yeah. Misery is misery is misery for sure. It is. So when I started this, let me give you some of my learning lessons if I could. Yeah. Uh, none of which were really painful, but they were all eye-opening. Uh, when I first started this, I made the assumption, well, probably 5% of teens are suffering from some form of stress and depression. Very arbitrary number that we used, but we thought that would make sense. So before we did anything, we began to poll teens and parents and schools on what the level of stress and depression was. And right. it was pushing 50 and 60%. Oh, wow. That's so... Totally oh. eye-opening. And then the Alkalani's Unified School District, which is the district where I live in Lafayette, California, among other local towns, did a survey right at the same time that my son took his life on how many teens felt that they were depressed at some point in high school or stressed out or thought about suicide in a serious way. And they were shocked that the number was 60%. How? Staggering number. And this is the upper middle class affluent town. Um, and it is that depression with teens happens to be higher uh, with the more money in the town. So the poorer the town, the more they're in survival mode and, and stressed out from survival for the teens and less they are in depressed mode. Wow. So that wow. That's really fascinating and so sad. So um, once you got those staggering numbers back and bravo to you for actually seeking out the, the true facts and, the, and to get the, the polls done, I'm sure that was quite, a, quite an ordeal. But once you saw those numbers, how did that change your approach or did it change your approach? Well, it taught us over this period of time that teens which are basically good. They're basically good kids. It's not like these are bad kids and the kids on drugs and the kids, they're not the fringe kids that we all think of. They're the mainstream, your child, my child, mainstream children that right. are just trying to get through life, get good grades, go off to college. We're, we're hovering parents. We want the best thing for them or helicopter parents, whatever you want to call us. We want the best thing for our children. We want to have a good school, a good education and be happy in life and get a good job. Everything that we want for them. We all kind of want the same thing, maybe to different degrees. And we're some of us are more obsessive and some of us are more are not. <laughs> That's just how it is. Right, right. But we want the best for our team. We have that in common. We want the best for our team. But for the team, they don't have the same vision as the parents. They have the vision of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And right now, the teens, and all those school just ended. So it's, you know, right now, the teens have been averaging three hours of homework a night especially the ones in AP classes. When you and I went to school, Annette, 
that was unheard of. Right. We didn't have that. There's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Then there's the pressure that you and I as parents put on our children that we want them to get a good education. So you need to get good grades, maybe not be a valedictorian, but you need to get good grades yeah. to, to be there. Then the next pressure we put on them now that SATs are out the window is you need to have a three-page resume because that's what schools are looking at. So you need to be very active after school programs, sports, cheerleading, whatever the, the program is, you can't even be in just one. You have to be in two or three. Yeah. Because nobody's going to look at you if you're not doing anything after school. And we know that as parents, that you want you, you want your child to be noticed. Very important to get noticed to get to the good school, especially with right. SAT, especially with the SATs to differentiate them. And then you've got the average problem or experiences of every high schooler. Every high schooler that you and I know, I don't want to say every, 80% of them, and I'm making up that number, is moody. They have mood swings. Yeah. They're hungry. They're annoying. They're annoyed by you and I as parents, right? They just want to be around their friends. They want to be left alone. They want to watch their favorite show. They want to be on TikTok. They want to be on Instagram. They just don't want to be bothered by everything. But yet so many of those traits that I just gave you are also signs of teen depression. Yes. So where's the line? And this is one of the learning points. Where's the line for you as a parent between my child is a kind of a dumb, moody, typical teenager versus a depressed, borderline, I don't know what's going on teenager. This is a big shade of gray. Yeah. And so I look at myself when I was in high school and I definitely didn't suffer from any kind of depression. My mother and I had our, our share of fights. If she were alive today, I'd apologize to her. Uh, I feel like I owed her, owed her that. I played sports, a lot of sports, but sometimes we got into fist fights because that's what boys did. You just kind of stake your turf out and turn it into something uglier. But we got over it. Um, we wanted to watch. We didn't have phones and, and TikTok and Instagram and all these apps, but we had TV and we wanted to be left alone with some of our shows. Right. For me of the 1970s, you know, those type of Batman shows and the Brady Bunch mm -hmm. shows. Just, can I just watch the show and you don't talk to me? Yeah. Or just leave me alone or, or uh, boys are, they grunt. How's your day? That's good. How's school? That's all right. How are your friends? Good. How are you feeling? Okay. <laughs> I still yeah. get them from my 28 year old son. I, who's my, he's getting, he's in school at the university of Wisconsin. He's getting dual concurrent PhDs right now. Wow. And I have to remind him to not speak monosyllabically to me that I've earned the right to spending the money to be polysyllabic. <laughs> that's such a good point Elliot <laughs> <laughs> but again some of those words for those students today and I'm not my son I'm not a clinician are, uh, are signs of depression and so what we learned also along the way is we as parents have given in to the weakest moment especially as single parents of getting through the day we just right. got to get through this which means the cell phone is the king of their lives. Social media, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, Twitter, that's the king of their lives. It reigns supreme. And all these social media products are highlight reels of everybody else's life mm -hmm. and creates the feeling that you as my friend are having such a better life than me. Because so true. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my son asking me, 
he was a senior in high school and it was um, coming into Christmas break. And he said to me, dad, does everybody go to Tahoe or Hawaii but us? No, those are the only people that are posting. Right. Because like that's how it feels. People Remember? who are going to grandma's house in Michigan are not posting about that. <laughs> but that's social media, that, that uh, highlight reel of people's lives makes other teens feel less than, less than good about themselves. So I have a question for you. Um, something that I've been noodling on for quite a while now, which is that I believe as parents as a whole, maybe not you, maybe not me, but just in general, in our society today, we also have a lot of pressure on us. And we don't model for our children happiness, what it's like to be happy as a person, fulfilled, satisfied, enjoying your life, relaxed. We are modeling for them what it's like to be fearful, anxious, stressed, you know, never having enough time, um, not being able to do the things that we like in life. And I think it's so important that we reverse that trend. It's terrible. There's another terrible trend that we've created and it's been going on for a while. And that is my generation has taught the younger generation that marriage really doesn't work very well. Mm. that people stay together, but they're oftentimes miserable or they split up and get divorced and sometimes divorced more than once. And so they've taught, they've, we've taught them that relationships are not as solid as they were just a generation or two ago. Yeah. And there's that anxiousness again, that you were just mentioning and that, that you're high stress, got to make money. If you take today, we live in a hyperinflation world. Every time you fill up your gas now, you're anxious. Every time yes. you go to the grocery store, you're anxious. Every time you take your family out for dinner and that bill comes, you're looking at it. And these kids see that. So they're seeing you in a mirror. They become mirror images of you. And maybe the mirror images are the worst and not the best. So how do we get out from under that? And how do we get out from under our guilt? I know you have a lot of great resources for parents um, on your different uh, resource pages, your, your Facebook, your Instagram, your, um, your website. And um, it's a brighter day.info. Actually, uh, we'll have that all in the show notes. So how do we get out from under that? Well, it's going to begin with great communications. So you're still the quarterback of your family. You as the parent, whether you're a single parent or you're a couple, you're the quarterback of your family. And what most of us have done is we acquiesced to dinner time is we're in a hurry. Let's just get it done. I'm cooking, I'm buying, I'm, whatever I'm doing, let's just get this thing done and get on to your homework. Let's get on to your practice. Let's get on to your musical instrument. Let's get on to taking a shower. We're trying to get dinner done very, very quickly. That's one of the, the big changes out there is dinner has gone away. The big family dinner has gone away. Yeah. And that family dinner, and it doesn't just need to be Sunday nights. It needs to be every night when it's available, of course. And it doesn't need to be a big spaghetti Italian dinner with meatballs that everybody in the neighborhood comes over and eats like I grew up with. Right. It can be as simple as you and your child or you and your spouse and your children eating together. But the first thing you should do is make every dinner a cell phone-free dinner. 
Nice. I like that. Then, the, then once it's a cell phone free dinner and a TV off dinner, no watching in the background Jeopardy or some show on the background because every time TV is on during dinner, nobody's communicating. As right. long as some, as long as your teen has access with those thumbs to that texting, they're not paying attention to anything but the text. Yes. So put it away. Put them in a basket. Make a big thing out of it and say we're just going to talk during dinner. They hate that, by the way. And they so do. You hated it too. I hated it too. I, I could have talked to my dad all day, but don't make, I hated when I had to talk to my mother. I related to my dad and my mother was annoying and she asked all the right questions, but they were annoying. And uh, what they do, what that happens at dinner, what happens at dinner, it gives you as a parent the opportunity to ask some really good probing questions. And we put all these questions, by the way, on our website. Yeah. We're not sure what to ask. Right. We write a blog every month. And in there, so many times, we put questions that you can ask your child. Right. We'll give you 20 of them to ask if you just look at the website. But so many of them are, uh, and it's, let me give you a few examples. How is school going? Then you might say, if you get the answer fine, stop. Get a better answer than fine or okay. What's your favorite class? Why is it your favorite class? Who's your favorite teacher? Why is this person your favorite teacher? Mm-hmm. How are your friends doing? And you need to know the name of your children's friends. How are they doing? Because you're going to find, and this is amazing, and that, that so many times your children will talk to you about their friends and what's going on with them, but they're really talking about themselves. Right. They're third partying themselves to you. And they're going to say, Mary or John is just having a tough time in English. I don't know if they're going to make it. They really don't get along with the teacher. I do really well, but Mary and John, they don't do really well with the teacher and then the parents on their case and, and all the, but they're talking about themselves. It's amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you could start saying, asking those questions of how do you feel about how you're doing in English? How do you feel about Mary and John and how they're doing? And you begin to find out also what's the worst or the most difficult subject, the most challenging subject that they have. And maybe there's something going on in gym class that's bullying, that they don't mm. want to share with you. How's Because you would never ask how Jim is going or how phys ed is going. You never, you wouldn't ask that. But then you find out if you really probe that something in that locker room is, something in the locker room is going on and it's making them sad. Right. Or it's about their friend and making them sad. Or they had a big fight. Your, your son, John, and his best friend, Bob, they had a huge fight and they haven't talked for a week and a half now. Mm. You could find these things out with good questions that you don't get to ask usually unless you're doing it over a meal because they don't like to talk because meals are distracting. As you know, Yes. best conversation you're ever going to have might be over a McDonald's Big Mac. Oh, tell me about it. I'm Italian. Everything happens over food with us. Oh my goodness. You know, growing up, I grew up in an Italian, Jewish, Italian world. The bigger the meal, the more we talk to each other. Right. And the more you spilled it on yourself, and you laugh to yourself, the more you're willing to share information. So as parents are starting to unravel some information, what are some of the signs that they could be looking for to know that their kid might be in trouble? Okay, there are a lot of great signs out there that we take for granted. Um, mm-hmm. Look for your you look for your teen's anxious level. Like there's, there's a meter on them. Their face looks a certain way. Their hands clench a certain way. When they're talking about things, 
what's going on with their body language. What's happening now with their sleep habits? Because depressed people tend to sleep longer, but go to bed later. So they're tired during the day. Okay. What's happening with their eating habits? I had a good friend of mine whose daughter was depressed in high school. Her junior year, she told her mom, the only way I feel better about myself is I go to bed with a bag of potato chips. Wow. Okay. So the the mother was trying to help her. So she kept loading her house up with potato chips because she wanted her daughter to feel better about herself. Absolutely. I, I totally get that. And the daughter gained almost hundred pounds her junior year. She certainly wasn't feeling good about herself in this process, yeah, but it was easy, wasn't it to do that? So you don't want that happening. You want to know if your child is feeling hopeless. Hopelessness happens when, what are we going to do this summer? I don't know. Well, then I have no, you have nothing to look forward to. What are you going to do when the school year starts? I don't know. What, okay. what classes do you take next year? I don't know. So if you get the, I don't know, and I don't care thing, that's a sense of hopelessness. Right. So my daughter walked the bridge, walked the Golden Gate Bridge one night, trying to help stop suicide on the Golden Gate Bridge on Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. So she and a group of volunteers walked up and down the Golden Gate Bridge, looking for people on the edge of the bridge. And they were trained to ask a question. It's a really simple question. What are you doing for Christmas tomorrow? And if the person answered nothing, they knew to immediately call 911 because that person was probably going to jump because they had nothing to look forward to. No plans and nothing to look forward to. Wow. But if they said, well, I'm feeling sad, but tomorrow I'm going over my sisters or my brothers or my whatever, then they had a tomorrow. So look for your signs of, does your teen have an idea about tomorrow? And then believe it or not, I know this sounds morbid, Try to check out your teen's websites that they're going to. So when Jake, my son, took his life and we went to his dorm room to gather up his belongings, he had his wallet, he had the bed made, the wallet there, the computer there. We opened it up, it wasn't password protected. We got right in, it opened up to a website on the best ways to take your life. That was the first website it opened to. And it said, number one, jump in front of a truck. Number two, jump in in front of a train. And number three, shoot yourself in the head. Those are, that's a teenager reading that. So you might be surprised what they're walking away with and what they're learning. And then find out again about their friends. What are their friends doing? Are their friends looking at these morbid, down, and I don't, I don't mean to be the down person here about this, but you want to be that concerned parent because we were surprised. We were the last to know what happened when he took his life. We were not expecting it. His friends were in shock. He was leading the team in, in goals as a hockey student, hockey player at the University of Montana, where they ultimately retired his jersey because of his success there. And that wasn't good enough. We weren't getting the, hand, the nail on, we were not hitting the nail on the head because we didn't have the right hammer to do that. Mm-hmm. And that hammer would have been better communications. And if we did find out this was going on, then let's get some help. Now you can call 211 nationally in every state in this country. And you can ask and say, my child is in trouble. I need the name of counselors in a local area. And you can get some counselors in a local area. That works wow. in every state. 
And now we have a new one coming out too, and that'll be hitting our website very shortly as well. That's excellent. Thank you so much for pulling together all these resources for families. But you also have resources directly for teens too. I mean, let's not forget that. You kind of started out that way. So what, what are you saying to teens? So we've created something called the Teen Survival Toolkit. So it's written, on, it's written for teens. It's written on an eighth grade level. The other one is for parents, written in lots of levels. But the eighth grade is, are you feeling this way? Are you feeling irritable? Are you, are you not eating well? Are you mooding? Are you feeling like, why bother going to class anymore? Have you withdrawn from your friendships? Have you withdrawn from social engagements or sports? Are you just, are you just waking up not wanting to do anything? Have you looked at a suicide website? Right. And so you feel like you're, you feel like you're trapped. So we get them to ask themselves that question. And then we ask, we come up with some solutions. If you're feeling this way, you may be depressed. Here are some solutions. And of course, in that solution, we're going to put in there, talk to your parents. But my son didn't. And lots of kids can't talk to their parents. Sure. Especially, especially in that if they feel their parents are overly judgmental. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be blamed because the blame game is a terrible thing to do to a depressed teen. It only right. alienates them. So it doesn't cure anything. You know, if, if, if you know that if, if, if I tell you something, if you tell me something's wrong and I said, well, of course something's wrong. You're wearing an orange blouse. Yeah. You're not any better for knowing that that's not going to help you. Right. Right. Okay. So you want to be open with your child, but when they're looking at it, you want them to be try to get open enough to say to that, you're as a parent, I need some help or mom, I'm feeling this way. So if they're beginning to think that they're feeling this way and you're beginning to ask them if they're feeling this way, then you're on the right track and you're on a really good track to getting help. And we are big fans of getting help from either online help, which is now a number of people do Zoom, um, counseling online, lots of good organizations out there. Or of course, within your local town, you might find two or three good teen counselors and you can ask the school, but a lot of schools don't even know the teen counselors. Mm. They've got their hands full too. Um, Remember, schools are not compensated in any form for helping depression. <laughs> so Elliot, once <clears throat> a, once a, teen steps up and says, I need help. And a parent is in the right frame of mind to go get that help. What is their first step? Great. Go online and and type in, easy thing to do, teen counselors in the town you live in. Okay. So if you're in Boston, are you in Boston or outside Boston? Outside Boston. Okay, so let's take a town outside Boston because Boston is a big city and it's, it's cities are going to have their own challenges just because of yeah. their size. But you, you're in, you're in Cape Cod, okay? Provincetown, whatever, a smaller place. And sure. you type in teen counseling in Provincetown or Cape Cod. You're going to come up with a list of counselors. Mm-hmm. And then you can begin to look and call those counselors to say, do you deal with teens? Right. There are several online counselors because maybe that's not convenient. We do have a shortage of teen counselors in this country. And if your child is in crisis mode, in some areas of this country, it could take you five, six, seven weeks to get an appointment. 
And yes, I know that. That's really sad. Yeah. Even that, with the availability of online now, it's still, it's a long wait. And a lot of insurance doesn't cover it. Right. Or insurance. it's inadequate. Right. Well, don't forget a lot of insurance companies now on their website do list mental health providers. So that's not a bad place to look either. Uh, okay. But you can do that. I would do that. Um, I, I think if I, for my son, he probably would have done better with somebody online counseling mm -hmm. than he would have done in person. Because in person, he would have pulled that as a hockey player, that little bit of machismo in. I don't need this. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm a hockey player. But online, he could have been more vulnerable because it wouldn't have hurt Well, him. Elliot, he let you off the hook in his note. He told you that there was nothing you could have done. Yes, but that's easier said than done as a parent oh, that you know sure. that doesn't really relieve the the empty hole or the guilt as a parent. I know. I'm right there with you. Um, so parents are ready to take the first step. They're starting to look. What if they feel like it's more urgent than that? What if they are really feeling like their teen is in trouble right now? Then I would call 911. I would, I would get my child to an emergency room and say, I need help. My child is in danger of taking their life or injuring themselves. Now okay. your teen is probably going to hate that. Just hate that. Yeah. But what I did is I called my, my, my doctor and I said, I need the name of a teen counseling service inpatient and I need it before the end of the day. And they did some legwork for me and got the name of somebody. I called them up and this is for my daughter. I said, can I get some help? They said, well, we have to evaluate your daughter. I said, great, tomorrow. So I was an aggressive parent mm -hmm. from New York. We're all aggressive parents when you're from New York. <laughs> but time is of the essence here. Yeah. And so I, I would be very aggressive fighting for my child. Now, we we get calls probably three a month saying, hey, I live here and I need some help. And we go and we find some counselor names and we call those counselors. Oh, excellent. And we say, are you taking, are you taking new patients? I've got a patient in crisis. What do you recommend? Can they see you next week? Or do we have to do inpatient somewhere else? Inpatient might be in a different state, unfortunately, with the way we're set up. Right. So that might not be convenient. And that's super expensive. That could be $10,000 a month. Uh, so counseling is really, for most families, outpatient counseling is going to be the way to go because they can't afford it. But if you press the issue as a parent, and we'll help you do that, if you press that issue, you will find most probably a counselor that gets it in some form. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want. A counselor that gets it and a counselor that can relate to your team. Elliot, I'm so grateful for you to come on the show and talk about these really, really tough, tough topics. Um, it's just thinking about your mission and turning something beautiful from something so tragic. What, what's next for your organization? I know that you're growing. It's, it's nationwide now. What are you thinking about? Where are you going? What are your, what's your trajectory with all of this? Well, the next, pro, the next opportunity for us at a brighter day is to launch a program, which we're in the process of getting ready to do. So we are going to, we're a little bit going to model ourselves after AA. Mm. 
Alcohol Anonymous. Except we're going to do it via Zoom so parents can be anonymous. But we're going to start with parent groups throughout the country. We're We're just gearing up right now with that. Where parents can get on there and they could talk to each other and they could talk to a counselor in a group and it's free. I love that. So and we're going to do awesome. it via Zoom. Yeah, we're going to do it via Zoom in it because maybe you want to block out your name because you don't want anybody in the town knowing it's you or knowing the name of your team. For, right. for whatever fear you might have, you can do that if it's via Zoom. You can just have your name removed and say, I have a question. You can even put a, a, a cover your cover your face up and use a picture and that picture can be anything you want. So really you can be as anonymous as you need to be your feel that you need to be. Yes. And you can ask any question. Yeah. So, which means you could be in Phoenix or Boston or San Francisco, get on this zoom. We're going to do it based on time zones and you could get on there and say, Hey, my child is feeling this way. What do I do? Because Hmm. invariably everybody has these four or five or six traits in common. And we're going to put them together so you can get group therapy in a one or two hour weekly session without having to pay for it. Once we launch it successfully, which we will in the next 60 days at the parent program, we're going to launch it at the teen level. A lot more challenging on that because we're going to run that through TikTok. Yeah. Have fun learning how to do TikTok. (laughs) I have people that work for me that do that. I'm, I'm over the hill when it comes to TikTok. Fantastic. Elliot, this has really been great. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Is there any last words or last tip that you want to throw out to the audience? Uh, just a reminder as parents, because I'm parent, I'm a parent, your parent. So talking to parents, um, you know, we life is so busy and so short and so complicated, so much more complicated than it was for our parents, or at least our grandparents, so it seems, that we need to take the time to get into the head's of our teens. And they are so distracted that they'd rather be any other place but in a conversation with their parents. Oh my God. Yes. Oh yes. Most certainly. Um, And I don't know how successful we're going to be at drawing them out, but we really are going to try. So thank you so much for sharing your family uh, sharing your tragedy and your story because it really helps all of us feel less alone. And that's so important. And thank you for what you're doing with a brighter day. Well, thank um, you. Thank you. I really, I just, more. I couldn't encourage my my listeners more to go ahead and check out all the resources that you have. What you've pulled together is really nothing short of phenomenal. And I just applaud you for taking tragedy and turning it into something beautiful. So thank you so much, Elliot. And then I thank you for being here. You're doing a great job. And you know, we've got an unlimited, I look at this as we, like our family and your family, you have an unlimited supply of lemons. If we can make some lemonade, we're making a difference in the world. So true. Well, many blessings and have a great night. Thank Thank you. you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.
Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. This week is the final week in celebrating our month of fathers, Father's Day, being smack dab in the middle of the month. Uh, I took a little deviation last week to talk about something that popped up that was kind of a critical conversation for me. I don't know if you've ever had practice in critical conversations, but um, another thing I learned from my coach is how to have those critical conversations. Sometimes those critical conversations are with yourself (laughs) and mine definitely have been in the last couple of months. So I wanted to just uh, mention a couple things that are going on. First and foremost, um, it is celebration this week of Helen Keller based on her birthday being this week. And this is the week every year that we take to um, get involved and take a look at deafblind issues in honor of Helen Keller. So as you all may know or remember, I strongly support Perkins School for the Blind, which has a tremendous deafblind program. My daughter went there. She was not deafblind, but uh, she was blind, low vision, as well as having uh, several other very, um, very profound disabilities. I, I've always struggled to find the right words to describe Elizabeth's issues as opposed to Elizabeth as a person, right? So um, deafblind programs are very unique because they need to deal with the lack of two important senses. Um, And nobody does it better than Perkins. And they do their programming around the world, not just here in Massachusetts, in Watertown. So thank you, Helen Keller, for providing such extraordinary mentorship and for giving us something to aspire to. There's so much more there in the story and there have been books and movies and um, just a lot of renditions of her life and the famous story with her teacher, Annie. So um, moving on from there, there's some action going on here in Massachusetts. It's critical right now that we take a stance for our supported decision-making bill. So if you are listening to me from Massachusetts, please go to the Arc of Mass website and they will have all the information that you need to be able to get in touch with your legislators to get involved in this critical time frame to get this bill passed finally. We really need this supported decision-making bill to pass in Massachusetts, as it has done in over a dozen other states. And lastly, there's a huge push right now, I've mentioned this before, um, to raise the asset amount allowed under SSI rules. And this is a critical time period for that as well. So please let your federal legislators know that this is extremely important to you. And uh, if you need any talking point points, let me know. I'll be happy to send some along. So now to get to our guest of the week. I'm so happy to introduce you to Elliot Callan. So Elliot is 
co-founder and president of a group, an organization called A Brighter Day. This organization um, works with teens on depression and suicide prevention. And every day they look at what they can do to create resources for teens and their families about stress and depression and other topics with their goal of stopping teen suicide. They've touched thousands of families with their resources and supports. Um, he's got a lot of information on his website, which you'll find in the show notes. It's a brighterday.info. Uh, certainly feel free to connect with him on Facebook or Instagram or look at his LinkedIn profile. They've got videos on YouTube. And this is such an important topic because suicide is preventable. And unfortunately, we don't always see the signs or we don't always have confidence in our gut to follow up on some of the things that we're seeing. So we talked about depression and stress in teens, what to look for, when to seek help, talked about strategies that parents can use to help their teens manage mental disorders and how to help them build self-confidence and tools for teens and young adults to use to manage stress and depression. So um, we also talked about A Brighter Day and what they're doing. And I couldn't be more proud to have Elliot Callen on this podcast I am so, so pleased that I get to present this information to you on such an important issue. As always, please get in touch if you have any questions, topics, uh, any comments. I'm so happy to hear from you always. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go.